0: It's Kelly, and I'm here with my friend, Steve. Steve, will you please introduce yourself?
1: Yes, thank you, Kelly. I am Steve, and I am a comic book vendor, and I'm with my friend, Kelly.
0: Steve, I know we weren't gonna ask about our fathers. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Go ahead.
0: But who is your father?
1: My father is a retired archeologist. Uh, In fact, both my parents are anthropologists, and I suppose I think of my journey being a guardian of stories as an anthropological exploration as well.
0: Excellent. And so, going along with that metaphor, how did you come about this site?
1: Geographically or metaphysically?
0: We'll get into the metaphysics after the geographic. (laughs) Uh,
1: Well, I lived in Farmington, uh, have lived in Farmington for 16 years, approximately. I'm a retired school teacher, and when I ceased to engage with that profession, I was fishing around for something else to do. And I decided that I wanted to open a comic book shop. That's something I toyed with years ago. Uh, And Farmington doesn't have one. So it seemed like it it mated well with my thought process of if you want something and it doesn't exist, you should make it yourself. So I did. And in terms of choosing the specific location, uh, I like the character of the downtown and wanted to be down here. Uh, it's full of historic buildings. We did a lot of restoration to this building at 220 West Main Street. Uh, our landlord was very generous about letting us do what we wanted to the space and it had been remodeled. It's a it's a 1925 building and uh, had been remodeled many times over the decades. There were a lot of layers to remove And underneath them, many of its original features were intact. Uh, Horsehair and plaster walls over lath. Original hardwood floors. They did need to be refinished, but they were there. Uh, The original pressed tin ceiling was underneath. A crummy suspended ceiling. (laughs) And in mostly good condition. Uh, The downtown is in the midst of a renovation project that will bring a lot of traffic back down here. So it it seemed like a good time to tap into that energy of renewal. And, uh, you know, the the old meets new. So so we're getting, like, free public Wi-Fi and piped-in sound and new landscaping down here. But uh, we're also able to... uh, exist in a, an historic place as well. Coming up on 100 years, you know, this building, if we make it to 2025.
0: So thinking about the free Wi-Fi and the shop itself, that means that this spot is going to be a prime Pokemon spot,
1: right? Oh, yes. <laughs> you, you must catch them all.
0: Catch all of them over here. So I have this question when I enter the shop, it feels very much like home. It's very cozy and it's extremely comforting because of the comics, the literature, all of the Warhammer gear, the cosplay gear. And for someone who's unfamiliar with all of that, how could this still be a shop for them?
1: That's, a, that's an excellent question. I, th- I think the warmth might transcend the product lines. There there are many deliberate attempts, intentional attempts to make it a place that's colorful and lit in a way to suggest warmth. Uh, we have ambient music. So e- even for the uninitiated, I think it's a space that's comforting, if not like like for the initiates, it's almost <laughs> a sacred space, right? Yeah, I'm going to
0: initiate all of my non-nerdy, non-geeky, just, I don't even know how they're my friends, but (laughs) 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 I'm going to bring those people here. This is a safe place to initiate them. So for the people who are listening, how would you explain in your own terms what cosplay is?
1: It's really just playing dress up. Cosplay is is a fancier term but uh every youngster remembers digging through a trunk and you know putting on funny hats or grandma's scarf or or uh, pinning a towel around your neck to simulate a cape i think that's a fairly common experience and and cosplay just takes that to the next level where you're really trying to embody a character and so you most most cosplayers are also into the manufacturing aspects of it as well. So you learn about tailoring and sewing soft goods or making armor and props. And then you become that person. And it's, it's you know, mall Santas have been cosplaying for years. <laughs> they're, they're not just putting on the suit. They're becoming that person. And anyone who dresses up as Spider-Man and meets a four-year-old understands that for that four-year-old, you are Spider-Man. And that comes with it a certain responsibility to <laughs> m- manage that character well. But cosplayers like that. They, they like getting into the headspace of the person they're portraying and usually select a costume that has some kind of uh, significance for their own psychological landscape.
0: And with that, that great responsibility... You do have to check in with your Aunt May.
1: You do. <laughs> you do. And, and uh, make sure that you're getting enough jobs at the Daily Bugle to buy more web fluid.
0: <laughs> I was just thinking about uh, Santas being the original cosplayers. <laughs> and I was just thinking of the Easter Bunny. And I'm thinking, oh gosh.
1: We, they, we could... they,
0: they are the OG furries. They are,
1: <laughs> they are indeed. And truly terrifying. We could go way <laughs> further back than, than Santa's, though. I mean, there, there is something shamanic about assuming the mantle of a figure of power, right? You a know, persona. Uh, the most primitive stone-aged people putting antlers on their heads were cosplaying in some way. And, mm-hmm. and even though there are fewer ritual aspects, I think the idea of imbuing yourself with power from some kind of other iconic figure by putting that on is uh, still significant, and it's significant for the cosplayer and for the audience with whom they are participating in this particular kind of theater, and, you know, it ties in with not just our... Earliest religious inclinations, but with literature as well. You know, if you were to read a piece such as Sir Gawain and the Green Knight, those characters are wardrobed in a certain way to represent something. Sir Gawain wearing red and having a pentacle is representative of man and the rise of man, and the Green Knight is nature and, and those primordial forces that are allies with man but also antagonists of man
0: mm-hmm. and and
1: those guys wear what they are and they are what they wear mm-hmm. in a symbolic sense in much the same way batman is what he wears and wears what he is and cosplayers are tapping into a very similar energy even though you know at the end of the day it's all very winking and nodding and I'm not really I'm not really <laughs> this thing but isn't it awfully neat to play at it
0: to be this person just for a while
1: i am captain kirk
0: <laughs> and and you just have to remind yourself once you get home right
1: right you if kinda... <laughs> you get too plugged in you wind up in an asylum right and then but but most cosplayers i think have a fairly uh <laughs> as soon as the wig comes off it's, uh, it's it's just kelly
0: hi guys it's me sorry <laughs> I, I i'm done with the snickers i'm, I'm, I'm done with it So, speaking of Batman, how often do you get asked, Marvel or DC?
1: Uh, That question does come up. It isn't...
0: Reoccurring.
1: Oh, it's reoccurring. Uh, And I certainly have given it plenty of thought. And, And over the course of my own life... That kind of it wasn't necessarily brand loyalty; it was just that the character of one publisher or the other was doing more of what I was interested in at the time. So, as a little kid, I read more d c comics, and then in junior high, I was a Marvel guy with the exception of Batman. I always had to get the Batman books. but then, as an older teen and a college person I, I didn't have any interest in brand loyalty at all. I was just interested in a good story and read Mm -hmm. very broadly and and that was a time when there were a lot of small publishers like Malibu and First Comics that were coming out of the woodwork and uh, Vertigo was an imprint that Karen Berger started over at DC and they were doing things like The Sandman Mm -hmm. and the the Saga of the Swamp thing and it was a great time for an aging reader to get back into comics because there were so many things that were aimed at mature readers and it didn't have anything to do with the stable of iconic characters that you might have grown up with it was just great storytelling in the medium of graphic literature
0: Mm -hmm. so then for the the listener
1: (laughs) are you out there
0: marvel or dc The answer is a good
1: story. Yeah. I like that. And and also, you know, you don't have to drink Coke or Pepsi. You can get an A&W Root Beer or an RC Cola.
0: Or you can go rogue and just get the store brand. Right. The generic brand.
1: The the big K.
0: Just don't go generic. (laughs) What would be the big K for comics?
1: Oh, my gosh. That's a horrible thing to (laughs) have to... Voiced on some poor publisher. (laughs) I wouldn't want to speak that ill of anyone.
0: We're gonna go ahead and shift that. So (laughs) I one thing I like about this store is how family friendly that it is. And I was just thinking about my son Aegon and how much he loves all of the the kaiju Mm -hmm. monsters, the the monster monsters. And for anyone who's new to Kaijus or to Gundam, how would you direct them in the store here?
1: Well, we, we, we know it's kind of a Dai kaiju town. There, there are so many Godzilla fans, and I, I think most of us discover those things in our youth, but they stick in your craw, and there are many adult collectors of Godzilla monsters. We have a display right at the front of the store by the Young Readers Books because we know that uh, there are regulars that will never buy a comic book, but they come in all the time to look at the Godzillas. It's very easy to uh, point them in that direction. And we have Godzilla Comics as well, so if they want to engage with stories they haven't encountered on the screen before, they can dig into some of that. Uh, Gundams, that's another niche market uh often discovered by kids and then you keep building because it's a fun hobby uh, mm-hmm. modeling and we do keep a lot of gundams on hand sometimes we sell through to where there are hardly any but uh, we we try to keep up with that there is a, a niche demand for that and and they're pretty easy to find we keep some with the japanese comics the manga Mm -hmm. Because that's... One associates Bandai hobby with (laughs) Japanese culture and Japanese comics. Uh, Gundam... Thunderbolt is the current Gundam series. I I think that there has probably been an ongoing Gundam manga for the last 30-plus years. It's a a long-running series.
0: So... Let's say for a middle school-aged child, actually, I have to retract that, because you're not a child anymore. Let's say student. What manga would you recommend for them to read
1: currently? My Hero Academia is the 800-pound gorilla of, <laughs> of young adult manga right now. Uh, and it depends on the reader. Some of them will prefer the sophistication and the horror elements of say Black Butler Mm -hmm. but hands down it's it's My Hero Academia that's really igniting the imaginations of the the young kids and there's a few Attack on Titan fans some One Punch Man fans and there are there are some yeah the the cool thing about manga is it's representative of every conceivable genre there's crime manga, there's romance manga, there's science fiction manga, there's really disturbing horror manga. Junji mm-hmm. Ito is one of my favorite working mangaka artist writers. Uh, so anything you might have an interest in, there's sports manga. There's a really well done one about American football of all things called <laughs> Shield 21. So a junior high student who's more into sports could still find something that's really engaging and I'm not... A huge football person. I'm a a baseball guy, but the iShield 21 manga is so well done. I have enjoyed it just on the basis of the art. Mm
0: -hmm. I was thinking about my gateway manga was Hikaru No Go. And I do not play checkers. I do not play chess. I do not play Go. And it was just the Visual aesthetic, just everything about it, and that was it for me. And that's how I got introduced to manga. But transitioning from manga, what is your favorite anime?
1: Ooh, that's a tough. That's a tough question.
0: How about top five in different categories?
1: Uh, the actually, I liked both versions of Helsing that leapt from the page to the screen the, the second series that was done is much closer to the books and I, I guess I would have a, a slight preference for that although I did like some of the things they did with the storytelling in the, in the original series but Helsing Ultimate is one of my, my favorite anime uh, Neon Genesis Evangelion is definitely in the top five Cowboy Bebop gotta mm-hmm. be in the top five Uh, The Akira movie is in my top five, even though the books went on much longer than the existing adapted material, so I'm going to still count that Mm -hmm. as an anime. Uh, Samurai Champloo is one of my favorites. Uh, Same some of the same creative team as Cowboy Bebop so I guess it's not a big surprise that I'd like that one too. Is that five?
0: That's about five. <laughs> that sounds like five. Someone
1: counting <laughs> at home may notice it was four or six but it was right like, around it five. It felt
0: like ten. <laughs>
1: <laughs> la, la la
0: So another thought that popped up in my head is for people out there who are unfamiliar with the term tabletop game how would you explain that
1: Uh, there tabletop games could encompass a lot of things Uh, pen and paper RPGs are essentially still tabletop games so theater of the mind type games like Dungeons and Dragons Mm -hmm. which you can also do fully rendered with terrain and miniatures but you don't need that really all you need are the books the dice the paper and the character sheets uh, and that is still tabletop. We sell Warhammer, which is Games Workshop's strategy game, and there are, there are two families of that. There's a fantasy version that's uh, was originally more like J.R.R. Tolkien mm-hmm. battles. Uh, <laughs> it's since evolved to have its own specific mythology, The Age of Sigmar, which ties in loosely with their science fiction game. Which is Warhammer forty thousand. It takes place in the forty first millennium, and there's a Terran Empire that's kind of like the Holy Roman Empire, only super <laughs> depressing. There is
0: there's no wine.
1: <laughs> there's 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 no relief of any kind. There is only war and fighting and death and incursions of demons because we accidentally opened a rift in space trying to do faster than light travel and uh there's (laughs) alien species there's bug monsters that just want to eat you and absorb you into their biomass and make more bugs and there's hostile alien races (laughs) it's a mess
0: is there ever an alien race that's not hostile
1: uh you know i I, I'm a big Star Trek person, so that 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 speaks to the coexistence of diverse species.
0: How would you explain Star Trek to someone who's very just only Star Wars?
1: Well, Star Wars is technically more space fantasy, right? It's really mm-hmm. it's pirates and princesses and wizards but there are laser beams and spaceships, right? And, and George Lucas was wholly uninterested in science and physics. He just liked the space setting, and it is very exciting. Mm-hmm. Uh, Star Trek tries to be more truly science fiction. Uh, there, there are some concepts that sneak in that are convenient fantasy things, like a trans- a working transporter is... Very difficult. The, mm-hmm. the Heisenberg uncertainty principle kind of makes <laughs> makes that impossible, right? So, you, you know, the writers of Star Trek cleverly put in a, a piece of machinery in there called the Heisenberg compensator. And that was invented by Mark Okrand as a way to get around the Heisenberg uncertainty principle. And somebody asked him, how do they work? And he said, very well, thank you. Yes. Which is just a, a deflection, right? But for the most part, they try to put in real science and real physics. You know, ion engines have appeared in there. Uh, the idea of using a matter, antimatter reactor to create a tremendous amount of low cost energy that's a real science concept. Uh, Dyson spheres are a real science concepts. So they, the, the, creator Gene Roddenberry and the subsequent writers of Star Trek try to deal with our understanding of physical reality as much as possible, as well as handling a lot of political analogy. There's a lot of social science to Star Trek as well, and and the original series was based around the idea of a technotopia, where earthlings had solved all of their problems, war, famine, racism, and prepared to venture out into the stars as a, as a unified species. And that's, a, that's an appealing, hopeful idea.
0: Have you seen that Netflix series, Love, Death, and Robots?
1: I have seen about half of it.
0: Did you see the episode? I think it's titled When Yogurt Saved the World, or Ruled the World. But basically, all of our small human problems, right are solved because of, or, they're solved because of this odd thing of yogurt and it, it's a horrible image I have in my head right now. <laughs> it's, 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 it's like this kid waking up in the morning to have his yogurt and then it starts talking to him and, you know, this yogurt is taken all the way to the White House and says, alright, I've solved everyone's issues and problems just follow this book, don't deter from it. Of course, people deter and everything becomes so hellish and then (laughs) the yogurt says, okay we're gonna try this again and then the second time around everyone listens and it's this utopia, everything is fine and then the yogurt leaves. It has created, you know, all these... how would you express it? This nice tech. And just takes off from earth. (laughs) I was just thinking that. He's like, deuces. It did the Gucci glasses deflection. I said, okay, very well then.
1: (laughs) (laughs) My work is done here.
0: My work is done. So, you know, Halloween is coming up. What do you anticipate is going to be featured for this upcoming Halloween for people who don't cosplay? Based off of everything awesome that's happened in the past four months,
1: you mean in terms of like the popularity of given any given costume? Yes, I think I think Marvel is still going to have a strong year. We mm-hmm. see a lot of Marvel cosplayers. Uh, it- Star Wars is coming back in some ways. Uh, the Mandalorian is hugely popular. We're talking about doing a Mandalorian helmet workshop with uh, my buddy Jeremy Orr. He's a cosplay prop maker type guy. He's also a film director, but uh, he likes to build things as well. So I think, I think you'll see a lot of Mandalorians clutching baby Yodas running around. I think that's going to be... A, it'll, it'll be uh, harder to miss that than it is to miss Harley Quinn's these days.
0: That's a relief, though.
1: <laughs> <laughs> for, for many of us, it is a relief. It,
0: it will be a relief. That the culture
1: might move on. Zombies, I'm sure, will still be big. I don't think the bubble has burst on zombies.
0: So I'm just thinking about, you know, kiddos in general who probably grow up in these homes that don't really understand their teenage angst, especially when it comes to comics. Manga Or anything that you would pretty much see in the store How would you comfort the minds of most of You know the parents the caretakers yada 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 the guardians of these young souls
1: Uh, That's a good question
0: Because I'm just thinking about when I taught high school I would run across parent-teacher conference time Mm -hmm. and I taught English and I would be sitting down with these parents who would say, oh, my kid just reads all the time and all they do is just make comics and I want them to get a real job one day and how can you make him or her read something that's going to get them a career?
1: That's a fair enough question. I I think those of us that are fantasists at heart are sometimes called upon to defend that. And uh, I guess I would reference Tolkien again, who was a an Oxford don, you know, he made a career out of being a fantasist. Uh, and and had to go to bat for certain works of literature. Beowulf when he was a young professor in the uh, 30s was kind of dismissed as children's literature. And of course now it's taught pretty seriously in high school as the foundation of of the English literary canon. Uh, and he has a, a great quote. He said, there's a difference between the flight of the deserter and the, the escape of the prisoner. And I think no matter what your practical application for your Inner landscape might become uh, there. There is a need to create one in the first place. You have to have somewhere to retreat. You have to create in your mind a treasure house mm-hmm. and populate it. And uh, fantasists are never bored. The kids that are constantly reading, even if it isn't technical journals, they're they're stocking their larder of delights. And that will make them more rich and more creative and whatever discipline of study they move on to I, I think that serves them well. It's it's a uh, it has secondary and tertiary benefits that don't map well over our growing emphasis on math and science and there's a of course a need for empiricism and a need for linear thinking, mm-hmm. but the people that have intellectual training in nonlinear thinking and and the imaginative power mm-hmm. that that fantasy literature and comic books can lend you makes you a, a, a more light on your feet thinker mm-hmm. I, I believe uh, the the problems that comic book characters confront often have more than one solution and knowing that is a power in and of itself.
0: Hmm. So that just segues way into artists and I know that you feature a lot of local artists do. and how do you provide support to encourage them with what they're doing? I know my younger sister, she features her comics here. But, you know, for anyone else out there, what would you say to encourage them, whatever their art is?
1: Young artists often need encouragement. Uh, It can be a very lonely discipline. And often we don't know to whom we are speaking or for whom we are drawing. Uh, Who is our ideal consumer. So one of the things that we try to provide is a growing community of artists that can start talking to each other and break out of that solitary mode. Every Wednesday, which is not coincidentally new comic book day, there is open sketch night in the cafe and you can come and draw and hang out with like-minded people. You you may choose to engage or you may choose to uh, keep to yourself Either way, you're in a room full of people that are chasing after some of the same things. And knowing that you are not the only one that has an interest in that kind of creative expression. uh, The mating of fully three-dimensional characters. The people in your head coming to life on paper and taking some kind of agency. Uh that that 's comforting in and of itself, just to be in a room with that, but also you know you you could get critique from an older, more experienced artist how am i doing how 's my anatomy how how are my how are the the structures of my forms? What do I need to pay more attention to? We also have how to books so i I like to think that this is a place where one can uh, leap in no matter where you are on your learning journey because most serious artists know that it's a lifetime of learning whether you're just getting started or if you've been doing it for 60 years there are new tricks that you will either find yourself or steal from the guy drawing next to you (laughs) Uh,
0: Steve Ditko and never mind but (laughs) (laughs) never mind so why? What created the agency for you to go ahead and create a comic book store?
1: Again, a lot of it had to do with uh, my sense that if you want a thing and it doesn't exist, you should make it yourself. I have been reading comics since before I could read the words. Uh, the The mating of words and pictures is a great way to help someone decode narrative because you can see what the characters are doing even before you know what they're saying. And and as I did learn to read, of course, that becomes richer when you Mm -hmm. can put those two things together. But it is a very powerful medium. And once you experience that power, I don't think it ever leaves you. I've been a comic book consumer off and on my entire life. And in much the same way, when you read a great book, you can remember quotes from it long after you put it away Mm -hmm. comics are the same way you can remember certain images certain lines of dialogue that that speak to you in a in a deep and meaningful way and you carry those things around with you or or you know a song that you've sort of committed burned to the hard drive as it were those those things have power and comics have that kind of power and so uh, knowing that, I experienced that, and, and suspecting that other people do as well, it's, it's motivating to provide a place for people to come and get them and have conversations about what is exciting them at any given moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know people often ask in addition to Marvel or DC they ask what's your favorite comic oh my heavens that is such a hard question I could give you a (laughs) top 100 list right but it's easy it's much easier to say what what did you just read that fired your imagination because you know I spend my days in here and there's always something new and enticing and that calls to one, and sometimes that call, you know, comes from the great cover image. But you open it and you find some kind of unexpected poetry that you that lingers after you put it back on the rack or in your shopping bag, and you want to talk about it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So, you know, we we talked about the initiated and the uninitiated. Uh, the The initiated want a sacred space in which to move out of the profane ordinary world and into a space where they can talk about their shared passions and it it is a niche so in much the same way that one might find one the practitioner of some odd religious sect and seek out a community of fellow devotees that's what this is as a physical Mm -hmm. space it's there for that
0: it's a safe place to go ahead and you know find that community with others who also relish in that uh, I wouldn't say safety net but the womb of everything (laughs) of all the stories and all the stories are just interwoven and mixed together and it just holds you tight
1: a fabric. Yes. A cocoon.
0: A cocoon. This is a cocoon for nerds. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and we will all emerge as Mothra.
0: Oh, goodness. So, you know, over there, I noticed that you have a cafe. And we so do. I'll leave you with this last question. Because I had asked it you, in your very early days of emergence,
1: mm.
0: being a shop and everything. Will you have porg? on the menu
1: (laughs) roast porg definitely needs to be on the menu
0: it does a roast porg sandwich I like it cool thank you very much
1: thank you Kelly I appreciate the opportunity
0: no problem so tell me your business hours the fun things all that just to go ahead and give people some information about how to come over here
1: Our hours are slightly irregular. Uh, We usually open by 10 in the morning. The cafe opens at 8 a.m. every day. Uh, There are a couple of weekdays where we close at 7. But on New Comic Book Day, we're open from 8.30 a.m. to 8.30 p.m. And we're open until 9 p.m. on Friday and Saturday.
0: Ooh, real crazy.
1: We are nuts. Uh, And we do have a special event coming up this week, which has enhanced our Friday a lot. Uh, We're going to be watching the new Star Trek show with the uh, small group Friday evening. Uh, And it's really nice to experience art in a community setting. Uh, It's a different experience than watching it home alone on the couch. (laughs) When you're next to somebody that ooze and ahs at the moments that are supposed to pluck at our heartstrings or laugh that the dog's name is number one. That's, it's really neat. Yes. <laughs> and we'll probably be doing more things like that. It was very encouraging. And cosplay workshops. If you check our Facebook page, we do we do events. Uh, it's National Gorilla Suit Day on Friday, so we'll have some gorilla suitors wandering around. Uh, some special deals on any comics with apes in them
0: wonderful thank you